Fuck yeah, technology, bitch. We win again. They try to stop us. The technology tries to think it's too smart for the lifts and riffs, boys. Then we show up and figure out how to use fucking Zoom again. That's right. Strategic tacticians figuring shit out. Dude, one of these days we'll have, do you envision the lifts and riffs studio looking like, like basically a Cannibal Corpse album cover with technology and gore? Yes, I want like um, I want to do one of those like uh, you know how gamer nerds will build like a fucking steampunk computer or whatever to play games on. I want us to build one out of guts. Like I want, I want a fucking, I want a, a like a computer tower that looks like it is like a like a delimbed torso, and I think that that would be a step in the right direction towards the aesthetic that we're going for here like the tomb of the mutilated album cover but instead of like an open area say computer inside inside a corpse hanging out yeah i had some interesting thoughts about the tomb of the mutilated album cover over the weekend actually did you really yeah so if you go to the wikipedia page for tomb of the mutilated right yeah. And you look at the picture, you look at the image of the album cover, there is a little caption, you know, there always is. And it says in the caption, a male corpse performing cunnilingus on a female corpse. Wow. But how do we really know the gender of the performing corpse? Because it's chopped off at the fucking waist. This is true. That's, that's... And also... And also who are we to superimpose that binary anyway? Right, I'm with you. This is how we have you know, to cannibal corpse moving forward in society, I feel like. Cannibal corpse is pushing us forward, and cannibal corpse is also pushing forward the idea that it's it, both and is a thing, right? So it's not just one of those two things. It's like uh, it's both of those things at the same time. We can't see it, so it's black boxed, right? It's like Schrodinger's... Uh, um, dead, uh, non-genitalia, uh, cunnilingus corpse. My favorite part about that is that you were on the Wikipedia page for Tomb of the Mutilated. Yeah, I, well, somebody but, tweeted, um, and, you know, sorry, Easter fans, but somebody tweeted, you know, the tomb is empty or whatever, and I was like, I gotta find a, an image uh, of this album cover tweet it and be like this is patently false because clearly the tomb is filled with cunnilingus performing zombies cunnilingus performing zombies is the is should be a title of our cannibal corpse podcast when we do one it really should it really should and it take i feel like it takes the sexiness right out of it man when you throw that that's just not a right. sexy word i don't think you know yeah but it's a great one it it's is it's a true. One for a podcast we'll, we'll remember that we will that's yeah. uh that, that's t-shirt material is the corpse on the alternative cover for Tomb of the Mutilated? Is he jerking off? The one, the, the severed head that's watching. The 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 alternate album cover. You know what I'm saying? Isn't is yeah. It, um, so the alternate the album cover look like his arm, kind of like this. I don't know. I would have to. Say, oh, you're thinking. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So there's several things going on. Yes, in the alternate album cover, you may very well be right. That could be a voice corpse he was watching this shit take place and he's pleasuring himself and that, that is probably creepier than the two of them doing it right because that's consensual yeah as far as that's we what i was going to say it's creepy. Um, but then also if you if you look on the um i think it's further down in the corner i don't have the the cover in front of me right now obviously uh but there's like a severed head that's like sitting next to some candles that's like watching all this shit take place um, and that is that severed head has sort of been removed and, and used as the cover of the uh, the Hammer Smash Face EP. I can't help but wonder, like, is the head sentient? Like, is the head still paying attention? Right? Like, is right. he is he still able to see these things happen? Because like he's the look on his face is horrified. You know what yeah, I mean? What if he is still able to see this, but he's stuck there? He can't move. He can't do anything. He's totally held captive in the situation. This is why we should. Either we should or we shouldn't talk about Cannibal Corpse on this podcast because it will become an episode entirely based on Cannibal Corpse. This is also why we have got to put the fucking hammer down and track down Vince Locke and get him on here. I've, I've messaged him so many times, he probably hates me. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Who are these dirty. fucking guys? 
I uh, speaking speaking of people who probably hate us, maybe not hate us, but maybe who are just like Jesus Christ, these fucking guys. Yeah. I tried again with one of my white whales to get on the show, and I might as well just talk about it now because he's never he's never going to come on here, right? Is he left you on red again? Yes. Do you know who I'm talking about? Eric, Derek Green, Sepultura. No, Derek Green has left me on red before, and I would I would love to talk to him, but. But he is not uh, uh lifts and riffs listeners i've been left on red by a lot of fucking famous people we've gotten so, some uh, great folks on here but we, there have been also some people who have been just like man fuck this guy but sure. the, the dude i'm talking about is tom g warrior um, um yeah i sent him like this super heartfelt series of minutes on instagram because he follows the death drive account on instagram so i knew he would actually get them and like I and you know it's it's not like I was blowing smoke up his ass. I mean that shit. Like, dude, your your music yeah. fucking helped shape my identity. I still go back to it constantly, and I find really cool new shit about it. You know, as I get older and as I revisit it, and uh, you know, I told him a little bit about the podcast. I was like, it's super informal, no drama, no bullshit. We just want to hang out and talk to you and like get some of your wisdom and that kind of shit. Just straight up red. <laughs> Yeah, he has he has weird shit going on. I'm sure he has better weird shit to do, like sit in the throne and just like hang out and just contemplate shit, like uh, just sitting there, like going up in the Swiss Alps and like watching the snowfall and thinking about like the heat death of the universe and shit like that. That motherfucker, he sees in many dimensions. You really got me into Triptychon, bro. Seriously, I was not. Dude, into I'm them. glad. Yeah, they're they're sick as fuck. I listen to them all the time. Yes, that's I, I, 100%. I think it's great. I am. I am happy to have contributed this. And I, I, I keep going back to that fucking to the live album of the hey, uh, that Requiem. Of the yeah, like I, I was the, the Requiem thing. I was just like, this is the sound on this is so fucking massive. And it's just uh, it's, it's really, really cool. And it embraces a whole lot of different sort of influences, I think, that you can kind of see. You can kind of see like everything from his entire career being filtered filtered through that that particular performance i like that a lot for sure it's fucking awesome yeah i've been um i've been down a new orleans scene rabbit hole recently with like Bar, i hate god acid bath shit like that sparked by the new i hate god record i really dig it i really dig it so i was, I was record, to a uh, a few interviews with with mike and jimmy and shit and uh, in one particular interview Mike said he ran into Tom G. Warrior at, I think, Roadburn Festival, and yeah. he claimed that Jimmy's guitar tone influenced Triptychon. Can you imagine somebody, can you imagine Tom G. Warrior saying that to you? Right. That's what I said. I was like, holy yeah, shit. Even, even, yeah, but Mike was like, you know, his, his like balls fell, he said. It was like crazy. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, like, if you, dude, Celtic Frost's old old sound like was so influential for the guitar tone for so many other like i've been listening to a lot of obituary lately and obituary is just like those first three obituary records are just fucking celtic frost records with with john tardy singing on them you know 100%. and um you know obviously that that influence has got a way super heavy on dudes who are like jimmy bowers age uh and mike's age so to to hear that kind of shit that surely influenced them in their formative years sort of come back around like that my god like that's there is there no greater gift for for your art you know exactly and uh mike says he's coming on lips and riffs by the way i've talked to him twice he told, we're gonna get him on here we're gonna talk yeah. about bukowski that's we're gonna cool. talk about harm reduction i got a whole fucking schedule of things that i want to talk to mike nine about talk about liver surgery <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely talk about yeah keto diet let's do it anyway i don't know i don't know if i don't know if mike wants to hear about the keto diet i think he's on the keto diet he just doesn't want you to know he's on the keto diet anyway oh man speaking of keto diet speaking of guests coming on the show we got a motherfucker in the waiting room but before i let him in we should probably do that we should probably introduce who we're talking to bro give it to him Give it to today on the Lifts and Riffs podcast. Joining us is from the band Summoning the Lich, who just released their debut full length on Prosthetic Records, a gentleman by the name of David Bruno, who sings in the band. We are super stoked to have him here. Let's get him in. Two awesome first names, David Bruno. I just listened to this record today. It's fucking awesome. I'm stoked for it. Want to run through it. That's my ritual. I like to work out. 
to this music before we have our guests on. David, I do, I do the exact same thing. Hey, how's it going? Hey, man, how are you? Pretty good. Um, so webcam, my my 21 month old actually ripped the USB out of my webcam. Heavy metal. So I don't have one. Um, no problem. We believe you're still there. I, I am here. I'm not sure if if it if it was needed. I actually went to went to plug everything in and realized that it was no longer attached to the camera. Ultimately, I mean, we love to see smiling faces smiling back at us, but you know, it is an audio podcast at the end of the day, so it's totally not necessary. Either way, man, we are super glad that we get a little bit of your time today. Okay, tight. Yeah, I'll see here, man. Sorry again. Yeah, but. I'm, uh, I'm Schuler. I'm the dude who you've been talking to on the interwebs, and I'm here with Zach from Death Comes Lifting. Um, okay. Once again, joining us today, Mr. David Bruno from Summoning the Lich. Going to chat about you guys' record, United in Chaos, and all kinds of other cool shit today. Uh, how you doing, man? Uh, doing pretty good, man. Uh, just, you know, hanging in there, just laying in wait for all this to kind of blow over and for us to be able to, to get back to things as usual, get back on the road and all that kind of stuff. What's uh what's waiting for this to blow over look like for you? What you guys are in Missouri, yes? Yes, yeah. So uh Ryan, um, our guitarist, he's a mechanic, so he's been doing his thing. Uh, TJ sells cars, the so same thing. John works uh, as a 3D printer uh for like dental the dental industry. He like 3D prints metal fillings, so super That's rad. Fucking awesome. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, yeah. and then I've basically just been uh uh stay at home dad at this point my wife uh, has been working uh doing like cosmetology stuff she does hair and makeup extensions all that kind of stuff um i've been doing kind of odd jobs here and there to uh to patch things through um and uh, studying programming is basically what i've been taking my time doing the last year to kind of do a job change awesome man so you got a a 21 month old um i got one, one kid, kid. yeah kids. yeah he's 21 months his name's levi he's you know everything he's he's great loves metal which is awesome so i don't have Excellent. to just listen to kid music all the time which gets grating holy shit what's, tell what's me about his it, favorite like... what does he vibe with being a 21 month year old uh he loves uh cannibal corpse a lot so he okay. loves cannibal corpse he's he loves gojira and uh, Devin Townsend, those are like probably his three biggest uh, metal now, bands. Is, is he to. a Chris Barnes era Cannibal Corpse fiber or a Corpse Grinder era, or does he not discriminate? Uh, more Corpse Grinder for sure. Fuck My yes, guess. you're raising them right, sir. <laughs> we're we're both we're both big Corpse Grinder fans on the Lifts and Riffs podcast. Love the Barnes shit more of a corpse grinder fan myself now same, let me ask you a here. quick question david before we got you on here we were having a little conversation about cannibal corpse and i'm just going to get your opinion real quick if you go to the wikipedia page for tomb of the mutilated and you look at the caption for the cover of tomb of the mutilated it says that what is depicted is a male corpse performing cunnilingus on a female corpse right Okay. But if you look closely, it looks like the performing corpse has been chopped in half, and we really don't have any genitalia action going on down there. Do you think it's fair for them to, de to decide, uh, using only those visual criteria, that this is a male corpse? Hmm. I, see, I, I would go back to trying to figure out if the artist had any input with that theory. Like, if the artist was the one that... that brought forth like yeah it's a, it's a it's a male you know half man half body of a male <laughs> a half male going after this woman you know uh then then i think there's some credence to that otherwise it's probably just conjecture i love it i love it artistic intent versus conjecture that is a perfect segue to move into your band summoning the lich um i absolutely love you guys debut record um, thank you, thank I you. definitely want to get into the, the narrative of that with you as the, as the singer and lyricist here in a little bit, but first, can you tell us and tell the people who are listening a little bit about the history of the band? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we started, basically it started as Ryan, our guitarist kind of getting together, 
um, he met up with me and said that him and uh, one of our past guitarists, Brian, were kind of playing with some riffs and wanted to know if I was interested in doing a death metal project. Um, showed me a couple real, real rough kind of ideas and demos. Um, and I was like, yeah, this, this could be something that I could work with. And so we kind of bounced stuff around. Uh, what I didn't know is that he was also going around to a couple other musicians uh, in the St. Louis area that had been, uh, cause, cause we've all been in bands for at least 10 to 15 years, depending on the member, uh, in the St. Louis area. So we're kind of like veterans of the local scene or whatever. And, uh, so he had been going around and basically uh, hit me up one day and was like, hey, you know, you want to come out to a practice? We got, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy, a couple guys that, that are no longer in the band. But uh, it was also a drummer, TJ. Um, so we met up at his house and jammed. And uh, after a few months, kind of solidified uh, that we wanted to, to move forward as a project. Um, Ryan decided right off the bat that he wanted it to kind of be a fantasy band. And that was what brought me on board because I, I a sucker for that stuff. I'm a huge nerd and I love the fantasy elements of, of, uh, of music and anything that I can really kind of entwine it into. And so, uh, with that in mind, uh, we decided on the name summoning the lich after a little while, uh, initially it was just going to be kind of like a compendium of, of stories one-off stories uh maybe like two or three songs that would have like a a little uh follow-through storyline but it was supposed to be um not as linear as it became uh later on i just really couldn't help myself and decided to craft it into more of a concept uh, band i guess or concept album um and so we played shows for a couple years. We wrote the album, uh, started to track it in 2018 with uh, producer uh, Matt Amlong, who is a dear friend of ours. Um, he produced uh, like the story of the year, 10 year version of their, their biggest album. I'm not um, going to fucking lie to you, dude. I'm a huge story of the year fan. Okay. So the 10 year, I can't remember the name of the album. It's, it's escaping my mind, but that was, that was his work. Um, and uh he was in uh vanity affair i think or midi affliction i can't remember but uh anyways so uh we worked with him shortly after he uh found out he had cancer um so we had actually worked with him uh for about a year a year and a half uh in between his therapies and when he was feeling up to it trying to get the album done um, for a while, it was, it was looking like things were going good. And then he took a really severe turn. And unfortunately, uh, he, he just didn't make it. And uh, so we had to make the decision whether to push forward with uh, the material that we could, you know, salvage from that or if we were going to start anew. And we decided we didn't want to have somebody else, you know, touch the work that he had put so much effort into. So we started from scratch and uh, found our producer, Jack Daniels. Um, and he had actually hit us up a year before just out of the blue, just kind of, you know, said he said he liked what we were doing. And uh, so we had we had uh, talked with him and he was a completely understanding of our situation and brought us in and, and really helped us out and helped us work through the album, not just to get it to the, the product that we wanted and more, but also to help us like deal with with, you know, the, the grieving that's involved with doing a project like that, where you've put so much time and energy with somebody who is so close to you, who's no longer there. And he was, you know, really receptive and understanding of that and understanding of like the, the, the certain things that we wanted a certain way and, uh, and was able to make that happen. And, and uh, we can't thank enough for that. And so that basically brought us to the album being completed. We decided we were going to shop it around as opposed to releasing it ourselves. Uh, got in contact with a couple friends who uh, led us to uh, pin up artist management and Joel over there. Um, and uh, we decided to uh, go in business with them, basically. And uh, and they shopped it around to some labels. And uh, after talking with a couple or seeing a couple offers and, and things, we decided that Prosthetic was definitely who fit uh, our goals the best. Um, they, you know, they understood our vision. Uh, they, they have uh, a very, the, the way that they, they work business-wise works really well with, with how we wanted to operate. And so it was just a no-brainer for us. And they've been absolutely wonderful as well. Um, and so, yeah, and then basically we were about to, we, we got signed February 2020 and we're about to, you know, drop a single and announce uh, everything 
and then then the world shut down and we kind of had to sit on the record for about a year fuck man i mean first of all uh so sorry to hear about the the tragedy that sort of marked the creation of this record i i noticed the the dedication in the in the liner notes and i I was kind of curious about that but that's I'm, i'm really sorry you guys had to go through that that's that's an incredible loss Oh, for sure. And thank you. I appreciate that. And it, it, it was an incredible loss and still is. And, you know, we'll, we'll always, you know, feel that, but he, he was just such a great guy and he, he would have wanted us to move forward. And we all think he would have been just absolutely pumped with how the record turned out. And uh, so, yeah, it, you know, he, he had a huge impact on how, how we write music and just how, how we all view, cause we've all, you know, done projects with him in the past. I, Ryan's recorded every single band he's ever been in with, with Matt. So, uh, you know, he, he was, you know, a, a big part of Lich and, and will always be a big part of the Lich as will Jack, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you guys put together a fucking, a motherfucker of a record in his memory. Um, and I, we've, we've, Zach and I have both been enjoying it immensely, especially in the lead up to this conversation. Um, but, but before that as well, um, one of the things that I am curious about, if we can sort of loop back to the beginning of the recording of the record and the beginnings of the band, um, you were contacted specifically because there was this idea of doing the fantasy element. Um, I am curious, did the, did the fantasy sort of did the theme, did the narrative come first or did the music come first? Like, did you guys go into this with a pretty solid idea of, of what the sound of the band was going to be? Or did any of this sort of evolve naturally along the way? Or how much was this sort of planned out beforehand? Um, it was it was honestly, initially, the, the goal was just to write uh, like kind of death metal, mel- like, you know, cross between like mellow death and like the more extreme or brutal technical-ish death and uh cross that and uh you know the fantasy elements that that ryan had suggested lyrically and uh initially it was just kind of a a vague idea there was no intent to do any sort of like really in-depth project or or any sort of uh, concept but after a while we started to kind of notice that that we were molding the songs in ways like we would you know start to write a song i would come up with a lyrical idea and then we would kind of use that as kind of a jumping off point to start writing riffs um and then as the album progressed and we shifted gears uh, i think it was after three or four songs i kind of i i brought the guys together and was like hey look i, I kind of got I've come up with a concept um you know i think it's going to be really cool explained it to them they were very stoked on it and from there on it it started to become a much more uh, prevalent impact on our structure because uh at that point we had more uh of goals because with the album and and albums moving forward i do still want to have some songs that are more just world building in general and don't necessarily directly influence a linear central storyline and are just more something that's happening within the world to just kind of build different elements and and escape you know from it being too focused essentially um but I was able to leverage the first few songs that I wrote that were actually not part of that storyline to kind of uh, take part in that and continue forward with the future songs. So as we uh, honed in towards the end of the record, I'd say like the last two or three songs were extremely purpose driven. You know, we knew where they needed to fit. Uh, we, we knew like United and Chaos, the title track, for example, I think that was the last one that we really polished up. Um, and because we knew that we wanted it very dark and ominous while still being, while still having aggression. So it was, it was a little bit more of a, a, a song that took a little bit longer for us to kind of mold. Um, but yeah, so that, that's basically how, how the, the lyrics, um, wound up influencing the, the musical, uh, creation and journey. I understand it, and this has been part of the promo rollout, at least as, as far as I know. This is the beginning of a three-album story arc. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so pretty pretty early on after I had, had kind of come up with the, the concept of the album, we, we had talked, and, you know, that was around the time where we had decided that we were going to actually try and push and not just, you know, do this for fun on the weekends every once in a while. And uh, that, that was when I came up with the idea to do 
um, what started, you know, it's definitely, we have be pretty much solidified. I know, I know where the story is going with that. Um, I do have, you know, a path to take it afterwards as long as things, uh, continue, but the, the trilogy is what we're focused on right now. And, uh, so this, this album focused on, uh, the Lich's birth or unbirth or whatever. And, uh, the, his release of the, uh, the creatures of sin and chaos onto the kingdom of Rodor and the, the, the world of Arias uh, in general, as basically once the darkness is unleashed, it it creates you know kind of an awakening effect across the world and and sets forth the the things that will continue to uh, drive the story in album two and three. I love this. I love this kind of shit. Like I love, yeah. I love this kind of uh, influence in death metal. And it's interesting because I see uh, not only some of the some of the people sort of breaking away from the traditional death metal mold. Um, I see in some other bands uh, that kind of share a few sound elements with you guys. Rivers of Nile was one that popped up when I was listening the first time. Uh, Shadow of Intent, uh, Black Dahlia Murder. Um, you know, lots of horror there, but also some other fantasy stuff like Chronics and Chronics and things like that. Um, one of the things that I that, that really caught me when you were talking about the the mythology that you were building a minute ago is this concept of world building. Um, I take it you are already uh, you 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 strike me just as our from our conversation so far as somebody who's probably pretty big into uh, reading this kind of material. Would that be correct? Yes. Yeah. Not, not quite as much as I would like now that I have a kid, but I, yeah. I definitely still read as much as I can. Sure. Uh, same thing with, you know, watching uh, sure. movies and television, anime, sure. like anything I can consume. Yeah. So what, uh, tell us a little bit about influences just sort of that have gone into the creation of this world. Like, where are you, where are you drawing from? Well, uh, so obviously musically, uh, like all those bands that you mentioned are, are, you know, bands that at least one member likes in, in our band and has, you know, passion for. Um, and so we knew that we wanted the story to be dark. Um, as far as the, uh, the elements of fantasy, you know, Lord of the Rings, I, my mom bought me uh, the Lord of the Rings uh, novels as well as The Hobbit, I think when I was like nine or eight um because i was i was i've always been a reader so i i got into that very early um and then obviously like right around the time when the, the first movie came out um so i was able to just really immerse myself in that world um i got big into warcraft 3 um kind of before the wow thing was was around um i like dune um i that time honestly <laughs> i was uh i was working uh working from home when that show started and just happened across it uh, the maybe the first or second episode and uh noticed all all the the kind of D D references and elements that were in there uh, and just general fantasy references um and kind of got hooked and then the show really developed into something that's actually very uh very rich in its lore and storytelling and and got got to the point where it got so mature that Cartoon Network had to like pull the plug basically because they were like well it's no longer really a kids cartoon and uh that's our thing so um so I love I love that that uh property um there there you know I put little uh references Descend has a reference to that um and then anime uh I, I got huge growing up in in shows like Full Metal Alchemist um like uh outlaw star even like the kind of the fantasy element and the, the world building and the 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 way that the magic worked in that show i thought was really interesting and weaponized magic which is something that's going to come up more in the later albums but um i try and draw influence from pretty much anything you know it's like there there are so many shows that might not be the greatest fantasy properties ever made but i think that there are elements of any sort and maybe not even fantasy maybe it's sci-fi maybe it's just you know a children's show like you know it, it doesn't really matter like there's if you can grab something and, and and a little piece of influence that you can take and and help mold your world at the end of the day that's really what most of us are doing is unless you're just really prolific like tolkien and you can come up with languages on your own i i'm not that brilliant so i'm not right. even going to touch that world 
hard shit to do, man. It, yeah. I, I do. It's it's interesting that you're sort of willing to acknowledge that you pull from these sort of unlikely places, and I, I think that specifically in death metal, which sort of you know canonically resistant to progression when it comes to to lyrical concepts, um, it's cool to hear somebody who writes this kind of music admit to that. And aside from Adventure Time, just out of curiosity. If you had to say what your most unlikely source of storytelling information inspiration comes from, what do you think that would be? Hmm. Oh. Some shit that would surprise us. Some shit that would be like this motherfucker in a death metal band likes that. Okay, there's a magical girl anime called Madoka Magica, and uh, yeah, so that's that's one that's probably pretty surprising. But there's an element of that. It's basically the magical girls are actually uh, like reincarnated by this alien creature who destroys their bodies and gives them like little alien, like little girl fighting shells to defeat these witches. Um, but as they they build up this dark energy within this little crystal. And, uh, and the crystal will eventually fill with this dark energy if they don't like purge it properly and then it will shatter and they become a witch. And uh, that, that kind of that wild. element of how that crystal worked was actually how I, how I kind of, uh, I combined that and then some influences from, um, I, I got inspired by a Dungeons and Dragons story, uh, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign called the, uh, uh, what is it? sunless citadel and uh there's like a, a vampiric um there was like a vampire that was like staked with this like holy stake and then the stake grew into this vampiric tree and so i kind of i, th I thought that was metal as shit and so oh, i just yeah, combined man. uh i combined that and and the kind of crystal like building up power idea and just like the idea of vampirism and uh and into uh the song that turned into death crystal so that's, you know, that's kind of a, an interesting, uh, you know, look into some unlikely inspirations and neither of which are really have influence on the story of Death Crystal itself. Sure, sure. But it's just, you know, like I said, I think I think it's important, especially if you're trying to I, I think that writing is really cathartic for me. And I think that uh, a lot of people can benefit from just creative writing in general, even if it's just for themselves and any, you know, insight that I can give into my process, I think is important to give just to help other people out. So, you know, that's, that's a, a peek into my, my mind, I guess, and how I form stories. Well, do you write for any other form other than like lyrics? Like, do you write stories and books and they be become lyrics um, I used to write a lot of uh, kind of short stories just for myself. I had journals yeah. and things. Uh, like, I'm do actually you sit down with the intention to write write a song, or do you just write and just that becomes what that becomes? So uh, I usually write the story first. So I essentially okay. write write a story. Um, sometimes a lot of it will be kind of in my head. I'll get like the general notes down, um, and I'll have an idea of how I want it to go because I do also a lot of times I'll, I'll get the general details of what I want um, to happen for the story of a song. And then I actually will allow the song to, to be, you know, near completion and really listen to it and focus on it and allow that to kind of help set the tone for, for completing the, the final touches on writing the story. And then once I have the story written in my head, I go my writing process with the songs are basically to listen to the song and write rhythms. I don't actually think about the story at all. I, I really focus in my head on writing because I, I vocally to me, it's like a combination between voice acting and percussion. So I, I think of it, I think of like percussive notes and rhythms. And then I uh, think of the story that I want and I get it down in a way that is both lyrical. It has rhymes and hooks but is uh is able to uh be something that you know reads as a cohesive story and fits those rhythmic patterns that i want because otherwise because at the end of the day it has to be a song like i can't just yeah. be you're like talking over i mean i, I could plenty of bands <laughs> <laughs> there there are power metal bands and that do it and they do a great job that's just not what we're trying to do though so yeah yeah 
Well, that dude, that is like a, an incredibly generous look into your creative process. Thank you very much. And that that also brings a couple of other things to mind. Specifically, one of the things that struck me about about United in Chaos as I was listening to it for the first time is just how immediately accessible a lot of this shit is, even though it's really, really heavy. The opening track, and then obviously Cult of the Ophidian, like those are like pop death metal songs. Like they're yes. so they're so fucking catchy. And you mentioned, you know, that you think about phrasing and you think about that kind of thing when you're putting together a song. Where outside of metal do you draw musical influences? And like you said, you've been in a number of bands over the years. Um, have you played in different kinds of genres? Because there is very much like a more traditional songwriting sensibility about the way that you approach your art. And I'm curious to see sort of where that comes from. Yeah, that's definitely intentional. Um, we one of the things that Ryan and I had talked about early on as well as TJ, you know, when, when we all had met together was uh, <laughs> trying, trying to be like a, like kind of like a diet tech death sound. Um, <laughs> but, but to, to use a, uh, to use like the, the, the pop, uh, the pop structures with, with the more aggressive personality uh, and sounds and, and transitions and things um, just to allow people to uh, grasp it more. Um, and also, you know, just like the way that we enjoy writing. I mean, I, I, I was in a progressive band, um, I think progressive death core or whatever band in, in, uh, like 2010. Um, before that I was in a bunch of metal core bands and like hardcore band, like hardcore punk bands. Um, uh, I was in a beatdown band. Ryan has been in everything from heavy bands, metal core bands. He was in a, a really great, uh, like kind of post-hardcore like indie band um tj's been in grindcore bands john's been in progressive bands and metalcore bands you know all of us have, have had a bunch of different uh backgrounds that were definitely death metal is honestly probably not like the least our all of our least experience um as far as uh as far as heavy music is concerned this is kind of our first way into to actual i mean death metal as death metal as we can get i mean i feel like our you know some of our core influence we're definitely not trying to be a core band um but you know it's still going to come through because we we at the end of the day like we focus on songwriting first and and writing in service to the song first so if we really feel like oh this song's driving for this chug part like it's like okay how can we make it more of like a suffocation chug and not you know like a metal core a death core chug um oh. But sort of, you know, sort of seeing how like a suffocation chub would be filtered through a bunch of guys who grew up playing metalcore and playing deathcore, I think is, I think is an important part of how this genre progresses, right? And how the genre of death metal grows. Like there are a number, of, we recently were talking to uh, Tom Cronin from Celestial Sanctuary, their old school death metal band from the UK. Um, and he has a, a history in hardcore and a history in a number of other different genres. I do think that I do think that musicians coming from other subsets of heavy music into death metal is a really cool way of sort of revitalizing what can become a kind of stale formula. So that's the kind of thing I think should be celebrated. I agree. And I think at the end of the day, um, there can be, you know, I, I think that there is a little bit of gatekeeping that that is healthy and that like you're not allowing a genre to just fall apart and become nothing. Um, but at the same time, like you do have to allow things to progress and you can like the old and like the new, and it's okay not to like a band and still like support, um, them moving forward because it's healthy for the scene. And all you're going to do is bring more people into the scene. At the end of the day, if, if all we are to, you know, some old school death metal heads is the stepping stone that allows more people to get into bands like suffocation or like you know, frozen soul or, or like yeah. like i think or yeah i think that's you know something that we're completely okay with and you know kind of is our intent like we're, we're not trying to be you know, we're not going to be the best old school death metal bands in the world because they already exist so right. and we're not you know we're not going to be the best band in the world period but at the end of the day like we're just going to write the best music that we can and uh and just kind of write that without any sort of like pretense as to um like what we have to fit other than the goal of writing aggressive punishing death metal oh yeah that is and it's 
that is super generous and I think a super awesome stance to take when it comes to like acknowledging that there are stepping stone bands and that there are sort of gateway bands that even though it might be like, I, I, I don't know why necessarily accessibility is some sort of metric for like brutality or like trueness or whatever in death metal. Like some bands are more technical, some bands are, you know, there's all kinds of different kinds of heavy, right? Um, but I think that for my experience, at least, I will always have a special place in my heart for the bands that got me into this music to begin with. And it's not like those are bands that I quote unquote grew out of or anything. You know what I mean? Those are still for very sure. much the bands that I listen to and that I celebrate today. So like knowing that people who are making music and the fact that you guys are experienced musicians and, you know, looking at listening to the music. And then also, you know, I watched the video for Cult of the Ophidian and, you know, watched a little bit of what was going on on the fretboards. You guys are talented musicians. Like what you're doing is something that you clearly are choosing to do. And I feel like you, like you excel at that. So knowing that there is some sort of purpose and intentionality behind it actually just makes it more gratifying. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's healthy for bands to just kind of be honest about what they're going about. And I think it's perfectly okay too, for bands like, like Undeath. Undeath is out or uh, Sanguish Sugarbog. Both of those guys are just out there doing like the old school thing, like super hard. And I think mm -hmm. that's great because they're drawing yeah. a whole new audience into that. Um, and I think there's room for both. Like why, you know, why not? As long, as long as it's like solid music, like, yeah, I think there's room for all of it. One, so one of the biggest venues, of course, for bringing new blood into the scene um, is the internet. And we have been doing that to death over the past year because that's all that we've had. Hopefully, Correct. the door is opening to the other big venue for bringing new people into the scene, which is live music. Uh, do you guys have any plans on the horizon? You sort of gestured towards that at the beginning of our conversation, but is there anything you guys, I, I know there might not be anything concrete yet, but are you guys exploring options? Like, I know that you got to be dying to get out there and play this thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we're, we're, we're like right on the kind of horizon of stuff starting to kind of get planned. Um, we've been uh, talking with a couple of different uh potential uh, booking agencies um and then we have we have a couple shows that we have uh, in the works that are very very tentative um you know they they're basically going to depend on how things progress over the next three or four or five months and to see if it's really even worth worth doing but uh as soon as soon as it's you know as soon as it's safe and and touring's kicked back up and 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 it's something that is viable and something that you know our, our label and our management thinks is something that that is uh you know safe and and gonna, gonna be worth doing we are 100 ready to get on the road we're and we are chomping at the bit you know we we think a lot of our appeal is our live experience um you know we've like we've we've played in bands a long time and and we with our music we definitely write it that we can play it well live um you guys do anything theatrical? In your uh, no, uh, there there are bands that do that amazingly. We're we're not really one of those bands. We we do we we do actually like move like we we don't just stand still. Um, but uh, but we do uh, other other than just the normal head banging and yeah. you know hair windmills and and uh, all of that. Man, I was just wondering. It seems like no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, well, to at least like some sweet video in the background or something like that. Like, yeah, for sure. And had, like and, unlimited budget. The, I feel like you could do some shit like that awesomely. Yeah. And that's definitely, you know, in the future, there's, there's, there are things that we hope to, uh, to expand as far as that's concerned. Um, maybe not like uh, costumes, but like yeah. maybe some video stuff, like you were saying. Um, yeah. We, to integrate that into the the live experience should you know like you said budget and uh and sure. just you know venue size that we're playing at essentially um on on whatever tours we're on uh but yeah yeah, yeah. so hopefully hopefully one day that'll be something we're doing thinking about uh what tours you guys might be on you know if you if you 
think a little bit about other bands who have records maybe coming out right now or other bands who are really trying to tour shit that they put out last year and get a, didn't get a chance to? What are some bands that you would love to see summoning the Lich on tour with, just out of curiosity? Who do you, who do you want to go out there and jam with? Oh, man, uh, there are tons of bands. Uh, realistically, um, like I think uh, Wolf King, they just put out uh, The Path of Wrath. That album is absolutely killer. Um, we've yeah. seen them come through St. Louis a couple times now and they're at the just insane live and I, I would love to play with them, um, on death, another one that, that we would love to play with. Um, let me think, uh, the, the boys in Inferi, um, we played with them like four or five times now, pretty much every time they've come through St. Louis over the last four years, we played with them. Um, would love to love to go on the road with them or any of the artists in era boys really, um, yeah, I mean, like any, you know, any anyone that plays death metal, like our the Art Spire dudes are super sick. Like I, I would love to feel, yes. I'd love to feel very weak every single time we <laughs> we would get on stage and then <laughs> be followed by them. We played, uh, we opened Tech Trek in St. Louis when they came through, and I was honestly up till that point, I was just kind of skeptical, you know, like, yeah, I, I, can they really do it though? I've seen bands that can claim they're the real deal. I'll, I'll tell you like hundred percent. They all are just one of the most solid bands I've ever seen ever. I've never seen art spire live, but just listening to it on tape, I have the same reaction. I'm like, fuck, are they going to pull this off? Yeah. Like, especially the, the vocals, like the vocals are perfect. Inhuman. He's perfect. I watched him do his warmups. So like nothing going on, like, like no sort of like you know effects or anything like just like even without like the mic like him just like sitting there and just kind of doing it on stage like in between mic checks like that dude is locked all of them all of them are locked it's insane that's incredible do you have a warm-up routine that you do um yeah i i typically uh will do uh I'll, I'll kind of warm up just with like, like general warmups. Um, you, you could really watch any sort of vocal, uh, up video for, for, uh, heavy screams or whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah. And then I will, uh, most of the time I'll sing through, uh, like a power metal song, something like glory hammer. Um, and just to, to get them, to get my vocals activated. And, uh, and then I'll, I'll do, uh, like a death metal song, just kind of whatever. I'm feeling that day uh if it's something that's mostly lows i'll switch it up to something highs afterwards and that's about it you've dropped uh you've dropped power metal references a couple of different times do you have do you have like some sort of uh power metal bands that you're into sort of that maybe people who would be listening to this podcast maybe primarily who are in death metal might not know about like what the where's the sweet shit in the power metal scene for us to check out I'm extremely into glory hammer. I think they're yeah. super tight. Um, it's very you know, full disclosure. You know, it is full on like power metal cheese as far as like their, but it is also concept based, you know, they, they're on their, they finished their third album. Um, but, it, but it, they have some really just kind of heavy, chunky riffs. Um, a lot of it's kind of a, like a, a bit of a darker melody, a bit more aggressive. Um, so I love them. Uh, Twilight force absolutely shreds. Um, I listened to uh, Unleashers. Uh, they're sick, um, and the, the Britney over there has come up. They're 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 two albums in now on a concept um, album. Uh, Abyss was the last one they put out, and it's absolutely killer. Um, and then uh, there's a Japanese power metal band. Uh, it's like power metal, mellow death kind of combined. Um, Unlucky Morpheus, and I listened to them a lot. And actually, like. J to throw this out there you know it's like j j metal and and j rock are another thing that i gain like a lot of uh rhythmic influence from as far as like when i'm feeling kind of stuck and in a rut i'll listen to that stuff and it kind of helps give me some fresh ideas on some some of that so i do you know just just in a side talking about influences earlier yeah well it's so like a lot a lot of the the j-rock that i've heard anyway which i have to admit is, is relatively limited a lot of it is just so cartoonishly over the top in places and i think that that is nothing else like a really interesting and sort of unexpected place that bands who are playing heavier music here can maybe take influences from oh for sure i mean like look at baby metal success within this realm like they're there and, and they, yeah unlucky morpheus they are uh check out unlucky morpheus 
I'm <laughs> that's all I have the, to say. There, all the all the shit that you're saying that I haven't that I'm not familiar with, I'm writing down because I'm gonna check it out when we get off it. Like I, so I was into I was into power metal when I was in high school, and this was back in the '90s. And I lived in a small town. I actually grew up in the state directly south of you. I'm from Arkansas. Um, right. I uh, yeah, it's bad. Um, <laughs> I uh, I you know, we, we didn't really have a lot of the, uh, benefits of the internet regarding finding new music and shit. And so some of the music that I listened to, especially like my gateway heavier bands were either super popular stuff or they were bands that I inherited from like, you know, friends, older brothers or shit like that. For sure. And one of those, one of those bands, interestingly enough, um, is, is a power metal band who has been in the news lately for all the wrong reasons. Fucking Eister. Ooh. Oh, did you ever did you ever listen to Iced Earth? I've I've heard Iced Earth. It's yeah. it's never been like something that I like listen to regularly, but it's definitely been played uh, a few times. Like we we have like a couple bar, like bars that play like Metal Mondays and stuff. So you have metal bars? Uh no no we have we have bars that had Metal Mondays before oh, all this okay. stuff shut down. Okay. So it's like they they have we actually do have one called the Crow's Nest um, that is a. Uh, it's not really a metal bar per se, but they do, they, I mean, they play like a lot of heavier, like metal and punk and they have multiple metal nights and stuff. But other than that, no, nothing, nothing too crazy. I, I, I listen. So like Iced Earth, the, the, the Iced Earth record that I loved when I was in high school was called Burnt Offerings. And after the Capitol riot and all that shit. And like, I was up in, I, I, so I split my time between South Carolina and DC and me and my wife were walking around downtown DC. And I looked on a bus stop and, uh, they were, they had, they had screens that were showing like screen captures of cameras from the Capitol that people that broke in. And like, I, uh, he had already been identified. It wasn't like I yeah. saw it for the first time, but I was sitting there looking at the picture of the people who were wanted by the FBI. And I was like, that's fucking John. That's, John Schaefer from my Earth, and of all of all the reactions that I should have had at that moment of course I was like what a piece of shit you know that's super not cool but then at the same time I was like I think I'm gonna listen to I Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so like so I mean so, that's that's how that works sometimes I felt the I same way with uh D Antwerd D Antwerd's another one like I, I gained a lot of uh a lot, a lot of vocal like rhythmic ideas yeah. and fresh from them and they had uh, they, they've had a few uh a few little news uh news breaks over the last couple of years that have not yes. been great and uh so that's been a huge bummer but you know it's like sometimes it, if, if i'm stuck i'm still just going i'm just like all right got it got to separate it in my head a little bit and it's well, just not the same though it that's sucks. what i'm that's what i'm taking from this conversation with you right now i'm going to take my desire to listen to to old power metal that i grew up with and channel that into something new and fresh that's not tainted by like uh traitorous yeah. <laughs> treason or something you know what i mean like it's For sure. um, it's been an interesting time actually uh with all that um yeah, having so said hard. huh it's it's just hard. It's always hard when when an artist you love like fails you fails Some, themselves out in the world. Yeah, piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, and it's not like I was, you know, I I hadn't listened to the band in many many years, but listening to it, you know, back around around that time, I was just like, you know, this sound is interesting to me again. It's kind of intriguing, especially like running. I do I do a lot of running, and I I've, I've for found sure. it that kind of catchy sort of like uplifting shit is is good to to run to yeah that um, makes sense what all speaking of shit that you listen to like you know aside from the the more unlikely stuff if we go back to death metal is there anything on the horizon that you're looking forward to hearing that might be coming out soon uh new cannibal corpse obviously i mean yeah, think everybody's yeah. like stoked for oh, that shit um dude i I got the promo for the Cannibal Corpse record a couple of days ago. You and I, I and I deleted it. Good. I deleted it Good. because I can't. I can't make myself just open a promo and listen to the new Cannibal record. Like I have yeah. to hold it in my hands. Yeah, I mean that's understandable. Cannibal Corpse. It's because I think. I think part of Cannibal Corpse is their visual experience with the album. And it's like yeah. that shock of, of just 
taking in the album artwork the first time you listen to it. I mean, I didn't pick up Cannibal Corpse when I was, you know, younger because the album artwork just scared me. <laughs> yeah, like, like, and that's that's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the fact that you sure. can still that you can still sort of feel that as an adult, right? That there's something about it that makes you nervous or makes you uneasy, like the the cover of the new one with that 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 it's like a female character with like a face split open and this tongue sticking out, yeah, like and I, all the teeth. Yeah, dude, that shit, that shit makes me uneasy. And I like it. I still like it. I liked it when I was a kid and I still like it now. But on top of that, it's just like the fact that I love, I love the band's music so much. And I love Eric Rutan also. I was super yeah, excited I'm, to see him come into the fold, right? I'm stoked, I'm stoked to see what he was going to do on this one. I think I saw something that said he wrote like four or five songs, which, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's exciting for sure. Uh, whole new era you know whole new era for for cannibal corpse and it's it's how how many years in to their uh existence now so like fucking it's like 30 years 35 years something and like there's that still it's like a- two singles now that are just crushing yeah. yes i i absolutely love the first one i didn't listen to the second one i didn't give it as much time as i should have but uh, at the same time like i'm kind of I don't know. I'm, I'm hesitant to listen to it piecemeal because I just want it. I want it to come in the mail and I want to do my ritual and listen to the whole thing at one time and just sort of take it in. Uh, but either way, I'm excited as fuck, man. Yeah, for sure. Me too. But yeah, them and uh, Arch Spire is going to be coming out with an album this year. Should be unless they get, you know, delays. You never know with this kind of stuff going on. But uh, so let's see. I'm trying to think who else has album out. I don't know. A bunch of the albums that were on my radar like just dropped the like a uh, um, Demon King dropped their EP. Uh, Pupil Slicer dropped a really like tight kind of like mathy aggressive. Uh, I keep hearing that man. I gotta check them out. Oh, they're sick. They're super sick. Um, and then uh, yeah, uh, Abiotic CD is great. Uh, Depths of Hatred dropped their CD is great. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I just tons of band. See, I was super stoked to see Abiotic come back because I really, I really felt like of the crop of of more technical deathcore bands that were sort of out when they put out their first EP and then and then that first album for Metal Blade. Like I really thought that they were head and shoulders above what a lot of their peers were doing, and it was sucked. To, it sucked to see them sort of go away uh, relatively soon. So finding out that they were coming back, I was stoked about that. Yeah, for sure. And just seeing like the strength, the strength that they came out like, I mean, (laughs) between all of the support they had within the scene with all the features and then just the the fan support with, you know, their they they did great with their pre-orders and and all their vinyl variants and art in our I think Artisan Arrow is definitely a great label to for them to jump to. Um, yeah. they, you know, they knew how to handle them. They knew how to cater to their fan base and their, their vinyl game is, you know, unbeatable right now. They're definitely probably the top of the class within the death metal realm, as far as vinyl is concerned. Um, yeah. So, but those bands, Andrew WK dropped a, a single out of nowhere. I'm a huge, like just huge Andrew WK fan. And so I haven't heard it yet. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, it's called Babylon. It's actually, it's probably like the darkest song he's ever come out with. It's really tight. Um, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. down. I'm down. I'll fuck with Andrew WK. Oh, yeah, man. Well, they, cool. man, thank you so much for coming on here and chatting with us. You are a super oh. cool dude. You've been super generous about your process, told us a lot about your band. We really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much for having me, man. Sorry again that I, I didn't have a camera this time around. No, Hopefully, okay. uh, next time we can uh, talk, I'll uh, I'll actually have have a camera ready to go. We would love to have you back, but but before you go, man, we've got a very serious thing that we got to talk to you about. Yes, this is the question sure. that we ask every one of our guests at the end of this podcast. It's very important. You can take as much time as you need. We have to ask you, David, what is your favorite? Black Sabbath album. Uh, mm. Um. Well, we got to get a theme that plays when people are thinking about answering the question. Like I, know, I was going to do one with my mouth, but I don't want to sound stupid. I have an idea of what I think he was going to say, and but I don't want to say it and fuck him up. Hmm. 
I'm trying no to think. I don't want to. I don't want to get it wrong. There's no, no wrong, wrong answer. So I'm looking them over to <laughs> to look at the songs to make sure that I'm not picking the wrong one. Bro, you're never oh, going to all the time that you need. That is a hell of a catalog to come through. I know. You can also say what your favorite Cannibal Corpse album is while uh, while we're on the subject. We're equally as huge of fans of that. Okay, Cannibal Corpse. Oh man, that's hard too. Um, Not to give you double work. Yeah, I know, right? You just made it worse. I tried. I tried my best. Just watch it up. And Cannibal Corpse is hard. Uh, here, let me, let me, let me. I'll do both. Listen, let me, let me get thank you one. for taking this seriously because it is a big deal. I so mean, it, it, to me, to me, it's like you know. Thank I'm you. not the biggest, like most prolific Black Sabbath fan, but I've listened to a ton of songs. And so it's like I need to, but I know which albums, you know, the general album. So I'm just trying to look over the, the few that I'm. Okay. Let's see. Man. I mean, I. I don't want to say paranoid because it's like, I feel like it's kind of typical, but like, I feel like the kid in me, it's like, that's probably going to be it. Just that's because huge, of the songs it's a huge record. Like it's, that's, it's iconic for a reason. Yeah. Okay. And it's, those are the songs that, that probably like set the tone for me to be able to get into heavy music. You know, it's like we're on the radio and, and when my parents were playing when I was two, you know, it's like, and I, you know, I remember listening to that when I was getting my hair cut, like as a little That's kid awesome. before I ever like oh, even yeah. got into heavy music. As paranoid, as paranoid rules. There's no shame in that. It all rules. Um, I will say uh, we do also have uh, an Aussie cover. We've been, I'm not going to say which one, but we have been uh, working on, on, on getting something fuck. done with that. Nice. Uh, but I, I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day, but, you know, we, we, we will be speculating we, what it might be until we do or don't hear it. <laughs> right. Um, as far as Cannibal Corpse, though, that's that's a little easier. Yeah. Um, it's going to be between. Let's see. Yes, I have you know, Red Before Black. Red Before Black, honestly, is is, is I think, super sick. Um, oh, yeah, but, man. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be Evisceration Plague, though. Oh, nice. Big Such fan. a good record. Such yeah. a good record. We talk about that all the time. It doesn't give as much love as it needs. No. I mean, it's just, it's so punishing. Evisceration Plague 2, the title track, is probably my son's favorite death metal song. Makes sense. So it's, it's got that nostalgia, not nostalgia, but it's got that uh, sentimental value for me. Yeah. Because every That's time, cool. I mean, we yeah. can be listening to metal for, you know, two hours and that song will come on and he'll go from like playing with his you know toys or whatever and he'll just start bouncing up and down and he'll put his hand up and, and do his best to make little metal horns oh, just shit. like a dad and so awesome. sick, every time i get so stoked you were fucking you were doing the parenting thing the right way You're my dude right man <laughs> thank you thank you yeah i think I, I out of that lineup i do think that and it's, it's sad to be like out of that lineup uh but i do think that evisceration pray is probably my favorite release from that lineup. You might, my mind might change tomorrow. Kill obviously was a fucking incredible record too, but Evisceration Plague's got yeah. something. I just, I love how like unconventional but also catchy Priest of Sodom is as an opener. I fucking love oh, that for track sure. so much, man. But uh, yeah, good, good answers for both of them. Paranoid and Evisceration Plague. David Bruno, I'm glad I asked. Summoning that. the Lich has good taste. <laughs> Easy. Thank you. We're raising the future right up in this motherfucker too. Better believe it, dude. Well, thank you again, thank David, you. for your time. We appreciate it. We hope to talk to you again soon. Summoning the Lich, United in Chaos, out now on Prosthetic Records. Hopefully, we will see you boys on the road sometime in the future. Wish you the very best with the record. Hope to talk to you again soon, man. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, man. Cheers, man. Thank you. Have a good day. Y'all have a good one. See you, Bear. Dude. really cool dude man really cool dude like 
I love we've and we've been lucky. We're lucky with everybody that we have on this thing, but I think that we were particularly lucky with a lot of the artists who are like super aware of their process and are able to sort of explain that to to other people in a way that like makes sense and it's informative and it's also entertaining. Yeah, and wants to, you know. It's yeah. cool. we're not like annoying being like man. Yeah. yeah. I'm so I just do it. My man, is he writer or something? He's gonna, he's wanna... gonna tell you what he does. He's gonna lay out his plan. I like it a lot, man. It's I like it, and you. I like you. I love you, man. It's gonna make me re-listen to that record with a new found appreciation for how it's written, for sure. And sit here and be stoked and wait on the next two records. Like this shit's a lot of yeah. fun, man. Hopefully, they're they're building a dynasty. We're building a dynasty, bro. I appreciate your presence on this podcast, and as Thank always, you, my dude. I love you. We will talk again soon. Let's do it, man. See ya. Peace out. Bye, bro.